Grant, we're moving on. That was perfect. Perfect. Uh, Mr. Wood, do you know anything about the art of film production? Well, I like to think so. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. Nobody will ever notice that. Filmmaking is not about the tiny details. It's about the big picture. The big picture? Yes. Then how about when the policeman arrived in daylight, but now it's suddenly night? What do you know? Haven't you heard of suspension of disbelief? Reverend, I'm here. <laughs> Who is he? This is our choir director. He's going to play the young hero. Are you people insane? I'm the director. I make the casting decisions around here. Well, I thought this was a group effort. No! No. It's the Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Yeah. Has anyone told you, Scott, that you very small, in a small way, when you wear your glasses, you resemble... Milo Ackerman from the Descendants. Nobody. Is that it? Milo. Is that all you got? What do you think, Talking ben? about Milo. Um, I don't I, I don't have a clear image of Milo in my head. Well, Let's he's, see it. He's a little older. I, I am the one. Is that a song? I'm the one. Mm-hmm. I'm the one. Oh, they got a single like that. Yeah, I remember. Oh, that's Late Descendants, isn't it? Yeah, that's Late Descendants. Yeah, fuck that. You know what? Actually, that Late Descendants record is surprisingly good. So I've got nothing to say about that Late Descendants record. And neither should you, by the way. I don't. I'm just not familiar with it as much as I would be something else. But if anybody agrees with me, let me know. Just to hear. I was going to say something last week. About me being Milo? It's just the gray hair and the glasses. That's all it is. What gray hair? (laughs) You're gray. No, you're gray. I'm happy to be gray if I have anything up there. Did you get another haircut since you've been back? Me? Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, the evil is gone from here. I got a negative COVID test on Saturday. We're uh, we're all set to leave tomorrow. That's why today has been such a shit show. Um, but we're ready to get back on the road tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I got a fucking haircut yesterday. Like I, I mean, I leapt back into society. Uh, it, it was great. I mean, I, I could not believe the the weight off my shoulders that a stupid negative test, you know? I was like, I was, I'm back to one line. It was awesome, you know? But your story is that uh, Ryan got you, right? Because he was feeling sick. No, 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 I got Ryan. I was oh, the first did? one who got oh. this. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I'm, the, I'm the guy. And we thought I had uh, food poisoning because everyone was like, you don't throw up on this. And I mean, right. I heaved my entire meal 
And it was like, oh, there's all the shrimp. There's all this stuff. And we were all excited because we're like, hooray, Scott has food poisoning. He doesn't have COVID. Hooray. And I'm like, yeah, hooray, motherfuckers. I still still feel terrible. But you're right. Hooray. I don't have COVID. And then uh, Ryan started feeling it. And we're like, oh, I've got COVID. But we don't have it now. And Ryan doesn't have it. And we packed up all this stuff. A lot of merch over there, Gabe. We had to leave <laughs> behind a couple of things. Well, you got to save it for the metro in Milwaukee when you get back. Yeah. Yeah, we had a good we had a good day at Metro today as well. Uh I'll just save that for when Felix gets on, but uh you, the part, your part in the movie has gotten exponentially bigger. So uh you are the center of two of the best scenes in the movie and I'm very very excited about it. But we'll wait until Felix gets on to talk about that. Felix Pinheiro, by the way, is uh our guest uh, we don't ever do it like this, do we? But he no, will be on later it's on. Exciting. Um, uh, he's the guy who directed the Innocence video for us. Uh, he's been a good buddy of ours for a long time, a nice collaborator, uh, and a good friend. I guess buddy and friend is the same thing. So, uh, so Ben, I started watching Midnight Mass on, yeah. on your uh, recommendation, and I really, really like it. I like it a lot. I think it's terrific. What episode? Uh, it is the to? only show that I've been able to watch without falling asleep this whole week. Uh, I'm on, gonna... I just finished episode four, so I'm Ooh, in it. That's fucking, that's when it fucking, really kicks off. Yeah, the end of I'm episode four it. is when I was like, "Whoa, okay." Yes, yeah. I, I all night I've been thinking about it. I mean, I didn't really have a nightmare about it, but every time I woke up at night, I was thinking about that. It was it was pretty good. I'll say pretty, one thing. Pretty good. No, no, please. You can't. You can't okay. say anything because I will. I you, you think you're going to say something and I won't <laughs> pick up on it, but I am so good at picking up on it. And then I'll never forgive you. And we can't have that. Well, I thought you'd like all the sort of religious stuff that goes on in that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Fucking Hamish Linklater is so goddamn good. I mean, I, I never didn't think he was a good actor, but he is so good in this. Who is he in this? Really, he's he's the uh, the priest. Well, he's not father. The monsignor. Yeah, he is I, a priest. They call him yeah. monsignor. He's, he's, I don't know oh, what that means. Right. But if he's given mass, he's a priest, right? Or monsignor, whatever. I'm not a Catholic. I don't give two fucks about Catholics. That guy is amazing. I can. Uh, what what else has he been in? I don't know that. I don't know that. He actor. was in uh, the first time I saw him was in a Miranda July movie, hmm. like one of those movies with the unwieldy title. He was in that really shitty HBO show with uh, Jeff Daniels, the oh, newsroom, the newsroom or something. Thing? Yeah, yeah, and he was a guy who was like really against Obama. Uh, you know, and he wasn't great in that, but it's not his fault. He didn't write those fucking <laughs> lines. But man, is he good in this movie? He's great. Wow, he's just so good. Like, uh, you know, he was my friend. <laughs> I, mean, I was totally into this show. And if uh, every, anyone who's watching it knows what I'm talking about. But uh, he's not my friend anymore. Wow. Mm-mm. It was really good. Look what I got. I got some. Test pressings. 
Really? Ooh. You know what this is? That's the box set seven inch. The box set, the box set seven inch test pressings. Man, this was exciting to get. Um, Did you play them? Oh, yeah, that, that's what I do. I'm supposed to do it. I, I, I'm the. I know. I'm the guy that's supposed to test them for quality, right? And everything's what good are you to listening? go. What are you listening for on a test pressing of vinyl? I've always been confused about what I was supposed to do when I got Just this. to make sure that it sounds good, to make sure that it sounds anything like the record that, you know, you mixed. Um, the thing and about if it doesn't, with, what do you say? You say it you sounds say, too trebly or it sounds like it's fucked up or like what are some things yeah, that could go wrong? Yeah, I mean, you're kind of listening to see if it's fucked up, basically. Uh, um, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, there's not too much bass. You know, on the other hand, it, it, it's vinyl, and, and these are 7-inch vinyls, so they sound like, I mean, the idea is they're supposed to sound like 7-inches uh, that are in a jukebox, and that's what they sound like, and, and they sound great. But I, but I would recommend, if you're going to listen to these, when you finally get them, put them on uh, those rubber uh, placemats on your turntable, and not this like nice felt Led Zeppelin one I have, because... Because they're so light, there's not enough weight on these seven inches to, to keep it down. So the end of Strangers, I was like, oh, that sounds a little strange. Like it, it had like it was a, a note that was holding out and it started to sound a little wonky. It's because I've got this nice little felt Led Zeppelin placemat, and uh, it needs a little bit more weight on it. But I fixed I a, it and listened to it, and it sounds fine. I got a rubber one. And yeah, the rubber one cool. is the way to go. I think. Yeah, we were thinking of making some of those with the local H logo or something on it before. So maybe we'll do it someday, but uh, the rubber ones are the way to go for sure. I think it's a great idea. It's a terrific yeah. idea. And we got we got all those hoodies today. Well, not, they look. We didn't get them today, but we loaded them into the van. I heard they look good. Uh, yeah, I didn't look at any of them. There was a lot <laughs> of them, dude. It's a lot of boxes. I know, but we, we're doing okay, and we're going to be fine with them and people are getting cold up there up north, and uh, they're going to want to be, you know, warmed up with a hoodie. How many hoodies are in a box? Do you know? No, I don't. All right. Well, I'm glad I asked. Probably but, says uh, in a box somewhere. You're going to be up to your ears in merch, so be ready to be selling. In in uh, not Atlanta. Where else are you going? New York, Philly. I'm going to Columbus. Ohio, Milwaukee. Columbus is in Ohio. Or were you you or were you just uh, completely Promoting. thought? I was just saying you better you, you can't really you can't really slip. really you're gonna tell me how to fucking sell stuff on the road. I'm gonna is tell you how to here? sell stuff on the road. Yes. No, I'm just saying it's a lot. I mean, to play the show and sell the merch that's a lot of work. I don't know how you do it. Getting the feeling that you you're trying to get me to hire a merch person is that what's going on here? Because you keep saying shit like this, like I can't handle it. All of a sudden, do you remember how much it was on the As Good as Dead tour, the reunion tour? How much merch you had then? That was a lot back then. Now this is playing more. three hour shows. That was that was a lot of work, and it still is a lot of work. But what what am I going to do? There's only room for two of us in the van. You're not coming. No. <laughs> well, then what are we arguing about? I was telling Gabe he should get back on the road with you for the rest of the tour. He should get back on the road with us. 
I, I mean, was going to I was going to be at a couple of these shows, but things happen. So. Well, as long as you're at the Metro, I don't give two shits. It's like, like a backhanded compliment. I don't know what that means. It means that at the Metro, we really need you. Uh, we'll get into it when Felix gets here. But, uh, but yeah, I'll send you the updated script, and uh, you're going to have to learn your lines. What? Lines? Yeah, you got lines. No, I don't have lines. Yes, you have lines. We're not making a documentary, Gabe. It's a movie. So it's going to be like... That, these... that is the thing I'm telling all, all the crew members. All right, remember, it's not a documentary. Okay, it's, it's going to be like, it's gonna be like uh, Kramer or, or Jerry, where he says, these pretzels are making me thirsty. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's all I need. One, one line. Is that a Woody Allen movie that they were in when they did that or something else? I can't remember. He was rehearsing for a Woody Allen movie. Oh, yeah. And then uh, he, he banged on the table and, and no, he was doing something with a lemon or something and it squirted Woody in the eye. <laughs> I don't know. It squirted Woody in the eye and he started crying. What, what was the show where they were? Oh, I guess it, maybe it was Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Larry David was going to be in a Martin Scorsese movie. Right. Yes. But then uh, Marty, Marty, I call him Marty. We're friends. Sure. Uh, he he couldn't work with him. He was too hard. He was too hard to work with. Right. So Martin had to uh, fire him. What else have we been doing this week? Uh, I've been listening to that Let It Be reissue. And I know, Gabe, I know what you're going to say. Not the replacements one. The Beatles reissue. And, uh, man, it's great. It's great. I mean, they reissue everything now. There was a Let It Be Naked that came out like seven, eight, nine. This is the new. dude? Giles Martin or Giles? Does he say Giles? We still don't know. Is it Giles or is it Giles? I don't know. Do do we want to put this one to bed or do we just want to keep doing this fucking shit? Did we do this on this show already? We did that with uh, when uh, John McCauley was on, remember? We couldn't figure out if it was Giles or Giles. But Giles sounds right. You know, It does I mean, to me, too, but I'm saying he needs a job, so, I mean, this is gonna, these are going to keep happening as long as he's of working age. Oh, know, I mean, he's doing a great job. Yeah. Like, like I, listening to I've Got a Feeling and listening to the dueling guitars... Oh my God, the guitars on Let It Be are great, and I never realized it. I think they're saying it's a soft G, so Giles. Giles, it's got to be Giles. So you're getting ready. For, you're getting ready for the movie, the Get Back movie that's yes. coming on Thanksgiving, whatever, on the Disney Channel. Right. You're all in. No, I am not. I cannot wait for it to come out, but it will be a cold day in hell before I subscribe to Disney Plus. So you're going to have to borrow somebody's login and watch it and then log out. I'm going to have to kill somebody. (laughs) Fuck Disney. Disney's got to own everything. Kids, I hate Disney with every fiber of my being. Hate it. Wasn't it at one point going to be like a a single film, a theatrical release, and now it's like a three-part miniseries? Exactly. Exactly. Because they can because that's the way they do it. Disney says, this is, this is us. It's our fucking platform. We don't give a fuck about anybody. We're taking the Beatles. We took Star Wars. We took Die Hard. 
We took Home Alone. What else did they take from Fox? Everything Anything good? They took everything from Fox. So if there's anything, we took Fox. Fight Club. Damnation Alley is now a Disney property. Oh, all right, Damnation Alley. When was the last time you watched Die Hard? It it sucks, right? Uh, you you know I, I the last we showed Die Hard on a beat up 35 millimeter print, as I like mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> last. Last no, the last time we had movies, which was I guess two years ago. So at the end of twenty nineteen, we showed it. Good people keep um, acting stupid in that movie. The only way for that movie to keep moving forward is for everyone to act like an asshole and an idiot. I mean, would anybody act like that? That uh, chief of police? Nobody would act like that. Nobody. Right, sure, and and the movie cannot move forward unless everyone acts like a moron. It's it's insulting. Yeah, but Gabe, it's, better than, it's better than all the other diehards. Well, mm, right. I don't know. Die Hard Two is pretty good. <laughs> oh, Die Hard Two. Gotcha. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Who knows? It but is. I've never, yes, I've never seen any of them. So nobody. You've never seen Die Hard? No. Come on, man. There's only I one Randy Harlan movie that I like. Only one? Only one. Well, this is wrong, but let's hear what it is. The Long Kiss Goodnight. Long... No. Yeah. No, 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 no. First of all, there is not only one Rennie Harlan movie you like. There's at oh. least two. And they What's are the Cliffhanger and Deep Blue Sea. No, I don't like this Deep movie. Blue Sea is amazing. And if you can't Cliffhanger's got a great Deep first scene, and then the rest of it I ne- care. I would never want to watch again. Oh, my God, it's great. And Deep Blue Sea... It's like watching a Lenny Riefenstahl movie. Get out of here. If I want to, <laughs> if I want to watch some fun, dumb, campy action movies, I've got a whole. Why wouldn't long you? List. What's the matter with you? You think you're better no, than? No, I dumb, do. Campy, I, I, but I've got. Not. I've got good ones. Like what? Cellular. Like like what? The new Halloween movie? Cellular. The new Halloween movie? Cellular no. is not good, dude. No, 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 no. It's no. better than all those Randy Harlan movies you just. No, mentioned. it's not. It is not better than Deep Blue Sea, and it is not better than Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger is a fucking stone-cold masterpiece. And I know somebody here who agrees with me. Gabe, take I've it only away. Seen, I've only seen Cliffhanger once, but it was great because the guy's name was Gabe in the mm-hmm. movie. But Thank you. It's, no, it's no Rambo. First Blood Part 1 or whatever it was. I don't remember. I think it might be better. Rambo's a pretty good movie. Ram- I'm going to say this. You mean First Blood is a good movie, but Rambo First Blood Part 2 is a piece of shit. The first Rambo is is masterpiece. Oh, wow, Gabe. When he kills that swine and just opens it wide open, you know what I'm talking about? Coming out hard on the masterpiece word. Oh, it's masterpiece. <clears throat> I saw it when I was 12, like I did Superman 2 and Grease 2 and all these great movies. It's a good movie. I remember seeing it in the bar. 82 was, was a 82 was a good year. We got zapped around 82. <laughs> Grease 2, <laughs> Superman 2. Uh, all these twos. What else? Herbie? I mean, all of them. Uh, you're <laughs> Herbie 2, of 80, Electric Boogaloo? 80, 81. Around that time. When it came to cable. Because I didn't speaking, go to movies back then. Speaking of sequels, Ben. Halloween Kills. Come on, man. Unle- un- unleash. It was terrible. And I should have known better, but I, for some reason I'm paying for Peacock. Oh, I know why, because I was really into AP Bio, and it turned out only the first season was on the free version of Peacock. And so, What's AP Bio? This sitcom. 
Okay. With uh, one of the guys from that, it's always funny in Philadelphia. Always sunny in Philadelphia. Which <laughs> it I is never... always funny in Philadelphia. Do you like that Would show? It... No, there's too much oh. screaming going on. It's not for me. Yeah, I don't. I never. I, I get I it. I I think it's not bad, but it's just not not for me. So anyway, so I discovered that Halloween Kills is is was showing on my TV, and I was like, okay, fuck it, and I just put it on the other morning, and I was like, woof, man, is this insultingly bad? Really. Made me angry. I don't feel one bit sorry for you. You you did it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Are, let me ask you, are you addicted to the outrage? That could be. You know what? You know, you screwed everyone what? up. Well, you, you nobody got it. Like the, All of our feedback from last episode is like, I didn't know what Scott was talking about at the end of the episode. And he was laughing and it took me like three times. <laughs> Plus listening to the song and some people never figured it out. It, it did. It kind of doesn't matter to me because that was for me. Yeah. Like, I mean, I felt great. That's probably why I got a negative COVID test because of that. Like, I just I laughed the disease away. Yeah. It was great. Well, uh, Brian got it. And that's really all that matters. No, it was good. So, Pete. So if you didn't get the end of the last episode, you morons. Uh, Brian said he doesn't like Star, Star Wars. Wars. And I said, was Jaws your scene? And then Brian goes, oh yeah, totally. And then he goes, oh, oh no. And then Gabe starts laughing and I start laughing. And he's <laughs> like, I can't believe you guys got me. So the line in Bicycle is, Jaws was never my scene and I don't like Star Wars. What a great line. A great line. One of the best lines ever written. So once we had, uh, once we had Brian in that, I was like, oh, cut it, man. Cut it. Cut the fucking cord. I didn't realize that Brian is such a, uh, well, he's, is he a writer? A writer? Yeah. I, I mean, he friended me on Facebook and I'm looking at his stuff. And he's got all these reviews of records that came out 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. Those Did are, write those are, those are, uh, not reprints, but he's posting old reviews. Not that he wrote or him. that he found? No. Yeah, that he looked up. So, like, a lot of those reviews are old Rolling Stone reviews or okay. old Ro- Robert Criscow reviews or okay. um, Roger Ebert. Um, he, does have a good, he does have a good page. You know, a lot of his social media is very interesting to, to check out. It's an excellent use of, of, of the platform. Um, yes. and it's, and it's entertaining. Like every day, like, you know, you can read a pretty good review or find out whose birthday it is. He has a, he has this weird habit of constantly, whoever's birthday it is, he constantly has them in a picture with Dave Grohl. I don't know what the fuck he's trying to do, but, uh, well, Dave Grohl, let's be honest, is one step away from the people that you do see on Facebook and stuff who seems like their whole mission in life is to make sure they get a picture taken with celebrities. Well, wouldn't you, wouldn't you try to tag every single rock God you ever had if you could? Yeah, sure. I mean, but if I can't, if I was in their company in a more natural setting, which is Dave Grohl, that's why he's not one of those crazy people who all they do is stand outside of places waiting for a celebrity to walk by. No, they come to him. Picture, right? Yeah. Well, I happen to know that Brian 
is a Dave Grohl fan. And Brian uh, buys the nice guy act, if you will, of Dave Grohl. I don't know if I buy the act, uh, but... but You're about to be on a bill with Dave Grohl. You got to be careful. I know. I know. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I, I don't believe anybody can be that nice. That's what I'm trying to say, right? Brian does. Brian, he goes like, I buy the whole act hook, line, and sinker. So uh, I'm like, really? So he's not putting any of those pictures up ironically, as far right. as I know, right, which right. is what makes them interesting to me. Do you know, are you on the same stage or are there different no. stages at this no. thing? No, yeah, there's different stages. We're on the, we're on the smallest, indiest stage possible. You know, um, we got a great slot. It's going to be good. I cannot wait. Uh, I feel like I'm going out there for revenge. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I'm angry and I want to hurt somebody. And who I want to hurt is not the audience, but I do want to hurt the audience. I don't know. Something's, something's brewing inside of me. And uh, it's not hatred, but it's, uh, is it righteous indignation? Is, 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 is that what I'm feeling right now, Ben? Yeah. Well, I just read that uh, some kind of, I don't know what, Senate in Brazil? I don't know what they do over there, but they are <laughs> suggesting that the president of Brazil... Kill himself? Bacanero. Well, I don't know what his name is. Anybody know this guy? Real right-wing lunatic. What are they suggesting for him? They're suggesting that he should be brought up on homicide charges for his handling <laughs> of the pandemic. Ah. Well, that opens up a whole new can of worms, doesn't it? Yeah. But I thought that's what you were talking about with your righteous indignation, that it was... No, 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 no. Oh, it's just, not about... Just me. Getting no, COVID? no, oh. I don't... I'm not, I'm not here to blame anybody, but I am here to avenge the two weeks that oh, I, I had. Yeah, to, okay. I had to miss. Right. So, that's what this next week or two weeks is about. Climax, climaxing at the Metro on November fourth. Oh yeah, it's going to be a huge climax. <laughs> Isn't it your birthday around then? Yes, it is. I'm Talk about be, climaxing. I'm going to be looking at the other half of 100. Oh, how it is, or, or is it the other half of 50? See, I don't know. here we go. Uh, another thing that that's going to make that show so sweet. <laughs> Walking up to you and saying, hey, 50. I'll still and be just letting it hang in the air. And then you'll I'll be like, be it younger. doesn't matter. You're 51. I'm like, doesn't matter. We're on the same side of this now. Yeah, there's nothing you can 52. do about it. You can't they're go looking, back. You're closer to 52 than I am 50. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Keep talking. The point is, you're on the other side. You're done, son. It's been 37 weeks of this bullshit. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> for us to be on the other side of 50. With it's you. been 37 years for me. <laughs> uh, oh, it's going to be a glorious time. A glorious time. And you know what I'm going to get you? A dung bag of Chipotle. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not forget the tambourine. That's all I ask. Is that all you ask? So you'll be there if I bring the tambourine? Please what tell me that on? one of the scenes you've written for Gabe is him searching 
desperately for the tambourine. <laughs> oh, Ben. Oh, my God. Well, we can cut this out and you can do no, it. No, no. You're going to have to get a, a co-screenwriter credit because that <laughs> is brilliant, my friend. <laughs> do, am I in this movie? Can I, can I make a cameo? I don't know. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you want to be in this movie? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm volunteering. I'll, I'll shoot this movie. I, I, I got a whole crew I can assemble. All right, I think I got a part for you. I'll send you the. Uh, oh, it's Herb. You want to talk to Herb? He's calling me. Sure. Herb, what's going on? Oh, what's happening, brother? You're on the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, who's who's the guest? I, I actually I haven't had time to listen to the Blockinger one, but I'm gonna have to listen to that. That's oh, it, it's good, it's huh? pretty good. It's a good one. People nice. are happy. Who's about on it. today? Felix. Nobody? Felix is on today. Oh, Felix, filmmaker Felix? F- filmmaker Felix, yeah. Nice. Well, I am so consolation for you guys not playing. I just found out last night, fuck all the phone, that the Hives are playing in Fort Lauderdale. So I'm at Revolution Live, where I think you guys played last time. Oh, the, and the, hi- the, the Hives are playing in 15 minutes, and fucking Hutch is doing sound. Oh, nice. <laughs> Hutch, Hutch, our buddy from Queens of the Stone Age, and Caius, who used so to do sound. So So Herb tried to come see us in Denver, and then he tried to come see us in Orlando, right? Yeah, I was going to drive up. I, you know, I, I see my mom and then drive up for the day, for the night. Yeah. I do that, but yeah. And that's the last one. I think that's the last canceled one, right? Was tonight or yesterday or tonight? tonight yeah, tonight's the last one. So, uh, Perfect. Yeah, so we'll see you in Atlanta. Yeah, I will see you in Atlanta, but I will see you in Milwaukee, probably. Okay. I think I'm going to, yeah. One of those days in Milwaukee. That sounds and, good. Uh, ben, you going to be in Milwaukee? All right, well, cool. Tell, uh, tell yeah. Ben and Gabe and okay. uh, Felix I said hello. All right, they uh, say hello as well. Li- liven things up. Okay. Right. Liven up the keg. Bye. <laughs> somebody right. said Somebody said to me, they love Herb on the show, but if cocaine had a human voice, that would be it. <laughs> Completely fair. <laughs> totally fair. And actually, poetic. If I might say so. Hey, everybody. It's hey. Felix Pinheiro. Now, is it Pinheiro or is it Pinheiro or is it Pinheiro? Just, just say Pinheiro. It's fine. I'm Pinheiro. not going to teach people, people how to say an enye on the end. No, 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 no. It's thing. a good time. <laughs> Am I saying it wrong, Pinheiro? Um, it's a nye sound, if you can manage that. So it's a Pinheiro. Pinheiro. Yeah, but, Pinheiro. but I mean, I did. Yeah, Nero. Pinheiro. Yeah. Pinheiro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay with an Italian for me, <laughs> ah, Felix and I were uh, doing some location scouting today for the Lifers movie. It's pretty exciting. We were at the Metro. Yeah? Did you get excited? Did you get the goosebumps walking around? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, the Metro is one of these places that I've gone to since I was a teenager. So uh, now to think that I'm involved in productions that are just generally in anything, it's just rad. It's like a odd full circle kind of experience i think it was it was good to go through the paces of the of the movie i mean did you retain any yeah. of that or were you completely have you forgotten completely because it's like a maze um, what we just fucking did 
It really is. I I think there's a, we'll have to, you know, go over it a little bit again, but we're going to map everything out. So I think that's really what um, is going to seal it for us, you know, but, but the fact that we got to do that, it's kind of, I didn't expect for us to have an opportunity to do that before we actually did the shoot. So it's awesome that in a, in a weird way, the silver lining is, you know, you have to stay, uh, go home because it's, of COVID, but then we got to scout and do this right, you know. Right, 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 right. That, can I? Can I ask? This both whole of week you? has been about silver linings. It's been. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. Wow. If I'm hearing, if I'm reading between the lines, this is my understanding of what I think you guys are attempting to pull off, and you can just tell me if I'm off base with this. You're making this movie that you've described as um, slacker meets a local H concert movie. Right. So that you so let's have say all these... the last waltz meets slacker. Let's get last waltz super grandiose. <laughs> so that you're having all these scripted vignettes based on um, stories that fans have told you recently and through the years, or stuff that you've experienced uh, with people at a local age concert or trying to get to a local age concert or fighting outside of. I'm just making up different things here. Right. At the same time that you guys are playing a show at the Metro. And if I'm understanding what you just said, is your plan to shoot this thing like live in that the whole movie, you're going to attempt to shoot the vignettes and the concert footage in real time the night of the Metro show? Yes, it is. That's the plan. Like we we thought that maybe it was too... uh, that it was too much, that it was, mm-hmm. there was no way to do it. And then <laughs> yeah. Herman was like, let's go for it. Herman, who was going to be our head cinematographer, uh, he was like, yeah. I mean, the thing about Herman, and Herman shot the uh, the Innocence video. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. So the thing about Herman is it's n- impossible to get him to get excited about anything like he just he does well, he's swedish yeah he's swedish that's what it is. he's like he's like bergman times three he just doesn't <laughs> go to that level and so when we were talking the other day and he goes oh yeah i'm getting really excited like it, it was still like not excited it was it wasn't like herb rosen excited but when he <laughs> said those words suddenly my enthusiasm level shot through the roof and i got super excited and then that's when I realized that like Herman saw how we could do this. And then when he said, he said, Oh yeah, let's totally go for this as a winner. And I was like, fuck yeah. You know, like everything, like when I was writing the script, I was like, there's no way these guys will go for this. There's no fucking way. And then Herman's eyes started to like, you know, light up. And when I say light up, I mean, you know, you know, like the the muted slight. uh, Yeah. mm -hmm. The, the muted sunset of, of a light up. but uh, So a single but, camera, single shot. See, no, we're not going to get hung up on the single camera, single shot. Uh, there's going to be a lot of cameras. Okay, so it's not a happening. wonder. He's going for the wonder. <laughs> so if we can do it in the one, we will do it in the one. But I don't think it's that important to do in the one. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not... Like we can, we can try for Birdman, but I don't think it's that important. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I, you know, I, I think essentially there's a path where there's people shooting the show. We have our a cam essentially who's Herman. We're going to follow all this action within. 
Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, as we go, we might have to do like quick resets and be like, Hey, actually, can you do that again for us? And God forbid, you know, I mean, it may happen that we have to do a pickup or two, but I think we're just going to try to go for it because we'll have the coverage and I think it'll work out. Super exciting. Super exciting. And you know, it's also like uh, for me, as far as the, uh, the long takes, I'm thinking more irreversible than anything else. And you know, and irreversible, they're clearly cuts and and it doesn't matter because you're still getting carried away by it, you know, and and uh, and I don't mind the cuts as long as as long as they feel emotionally correct. No one will even notice them. And I know that's a really mm-hmm. fucked, fucking stupid thing to say. But, you know, sometimes no, when we're watching something. You're like, did they cut? And you go back mm-hmm. and you look at it and go, oh, they did cut. And I didn't even notice it because it doesn't matter, you know. But just yeah, the feeling you're under the of being, spell already. Yeah, just the feeling of being swept away and going up the stairs and like like just the thing about the metro is it is like a labyrinth. And and if you and if you take the the trip that, that we've laid out in the script and we actually do that on camera, there's just gonna be such a sense of like, where the fuck am I? What's happening? You know, it's it's pretty exciting you know i mean and at the end of the day we still want it to be a concert film but we don't want it to be a concert film you know it's not a documentary felix it's a movie right of course yes i remember although i have to say uh herman does have a strong documentary background so uh there's that we're gonna have to beat that out of him (laughs) (laughs) well when you guys are talking about like the different uh stocks film stocks and like, you know, like the Beastie Boys thing. I was like, that's, that's fine, but we got to have a flow here. We can't, we can't go, Mm -hmm. go that way. So I'm, I think we're all on the same page now, which is really, really exciting. And back me up on this, Felix, the, uh, the, the best parts of the movie are Gabe's parts, right? Absolutely. Yeah. He's the uh, action star. He's doing stunts in this one. Is is it going to top my performance in the high five in video where I do the stage dive in the crowd where I'm, nobody catches me? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, it is. I mean, it, it, it's it's along the same line of you know, like your your Buster Keaton stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Felix, where did you grow up? I grew up in Chicago. Yeah, born and raised. Yeah, yeah. What so, area? Northwest Side. Okay. Northwest Side. So I I grew up mostly in Portage Park. And uh, I think I was saying earlier, you know, the Metro was a place I could always go to because I could literally take one bus, Addison or Belmont, all the way there, which is a straight shot. So, um, yeah, it's like technically on the edge of the city, but close enough. I mean, you're technically in the city, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just it seems like you're going more towards a uh, suburban sort of residential area. You know, you get that movie theater over there. Did you ever go there when you were growing up? I did, yeah. Um, I remember they used to do dollar. Was it a dollar, two dollar screenings? I remember seeing the Lion King at one point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just the most uh, tearjerker. Uh, it's still one of my favorite Disney films, though. Actually, after after all is said and done, yeah. Yeah. Are, are, do you have a uh, Disney Plus password? Uh, do you want it? Is that what you're asking me right now? Well, I don't know if I want to say I want it, but there's. There's a Beatles movie coming on Disney. Right. I refuse to be a part of the Disney thing, but <laughs> but I need to see yeah, that um, Beatles movie. 
I, I do, I do, but it's actually uh, someone else's, so I don't yes. know how they feel about me sharing <laughs> another time. Uh, I was like, I'd like to check some stuff out. Okay, I'll get but, Ben's. I'll get Ben's. Yeah, I mean, I don't use it that much. Uh, I do know that, isn't like David Lynch's straight story on there, which I still haven't seen, All I right. do want to see. That was yep. a Disney movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You never yeah. saw that one, huh? I have not, no. I've seen the all the weirder stuff. but yeah. That was interesting because when the straight story came out, that was uh, David Lynch and it was rated G. And the same year, uh, David Mamet's The Winslow Boy came out. Mm. And that was rated G. So you had these mm. two great filmmakers who were known for having characters that say obscene fucking things. And they, Subversive? Can we well, say that? <laughs> well, no, you know, just fuck, 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 fuck. Mm-hmm. And then they both have G-rated movies the same year. It's a little odd. It was a little weird. Of the two, yeah. I think I prefer The Winslow Boy, though. Mm-hmm. Ben? Yeah, I know Lynch has always said that's like uh, his most experimental film just because it is more linear, but yeah. Right. I prefer Straight yeah. Story. And I was surprised that you called David Mamet a great filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> You don't like House of Games? I love House of Games. There he is. Great, great film. He made it. He's a great <laughs> filmmaker. Good point. <laughs> uh, so what was the movie that, I mean, did you think, was it always you wanted to be in movies or did you think for a second you were going to be in a band? Because I remember when I first met you, you were playing in a band. Yeah, no, that's such a, you know, it was just arts, man. Like, uh, you know, I was a weird kid, believe it or not, I know, uh, nerd. And so I gravitated towards the arts, you know, to express oneself. And uh, I was really into visual arts. So comic books actually was the thing. Like comic books, drawing, painting. I was doing summer art classes. And at what point, I think video games became my thing. Like I literally wanted to make video games when I was 13 or 14. And uh, music also became a thing around that point. So I think somewhere around... 18, I decided that I was going to do film because, as dumb or as nerdy as this sounds, video games started becoming more like films. They started having more cinematics and the storytelling. I used to love playing these role-playing games or essentially like the extension of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm already sounding super nerdy. I can just say this. And so I was like, you know, Final Fantasy, like those kind of games. And I was like, man, the storytelling is great. The writing, you know, you're playing this thing for 60 or 70 hours, the saga element. And uh, the reason I went to film was, it sounds really dumb, but I took programming because they're like, well, if you're doing video games, you need to learn how to program. Uh, I was awful at it. Just, I mean bashing the desk awful they, i couldn't understand how i wasn't getting it you know it was one of those kind of frustrating sort of things so uh, i said well you know another visual forum that's a multidisciplinary it uses music it uses photography it uses all these aspects uh, i think like theater was one of the only things i hadn't really touched like acting and that kind of thing uh then i got into film and i fell in love with it you know and it was one of those things where I was always the kid that would go to Blockbuster Video and pick up the most random stuff. Like, for, for whatever reason, and I think, Scott, you know this a little bit about me, I tend to gravitate towards the opposite of other people, and it's just the way I'm wired. I don't, I can't explain that, but it's like, everyone's doing that? No, nah, I'm going to check out what's over there. Right. I just want to see what that is. Yeah. I have this curiosity, you know? So I think curiosity would be, like, the, the key element here. But I always pick up these foreign films and things. So unlike Gabe, I was always reading subtitles from a pretty young age, just kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Like, why not check this film out, you know? 
and um, it just kind of you know painted this different palette for me. So when I went to uh, I went to Loyola University for my undergrad, and uh, I started taking French New Wave. Loyola. You, yeah. They had a French New Wave class. Oh yeah. Well, it's really funny because the film program there is so tiny, but there's this professor there, Jeff Harder, who I think is still there. Great. And man. he, yeah, yeah, and he would, uh, he was just. He was. I loved him because he kind of fit the the mentality of someone like me at the time. He was very anti the establishment, and uh, his politics were in line with mine. I think alignment, and and so you know he would teach these massive classes. You'd watch two films in a class, like in a three hour class. You'd talk in between them. Uh, you have you know so that really sort of painted my 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 uh, my palette and made me think about okay, like if I wanted to make films, what would I what would I do? And a lot of it was just experimenting until it got a point where I felt comfortable. So what are you watching? Like Battle of Algiers and Godard movies and Absolutely, yeah. Breathless. All the all those OG ones. You know, uh, I think Melville, which mm-hmm. actually became one of my favorites, and uh, I did only learn later that he was really revered or known in his time for being a guy who kind of mimicked the American filmmakers, yeah. <laughs> but tried to do it for French audiences. Movies. Like, yeah, yeah, The Samurai. Right. The Samurai is still right. a favorite of mine. I love that movie. Even seen it recently on. Uh, I think that what they did a 4K re- restoration of that. I think or the Blu-ray I saw. Yeah. But, um, yeah. All that stuff. That really was what. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. When we met, we met at, what was it? It was, what bar was that? Fucking, uh... I think it was Smart Bar, man. I want to say. No, it, I It might have, unless you have a different recollection. I don't know. I think it was... What's the bar out west? Uh, Burlington. It was at Burlington, wasn't it? Burlington? Is that when we met? Like, at like first time? Burlington first time? Bar? I know the Burlington Bar, but I think that was open way after I like initially met you. Okay, so uh, the first time was at Smart Bar. Yeah, at least my I'm recollection. Surprised that I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I think you were DJing. Okay, and um, I believe that our our mutual friend Bela, uh, I think he he knew that you were in a film, uh, and I don't know how he knew that, but um, you a asked me a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you asked me a question about about uh, about Scorsese. You were just like. You were like, uh, I, I think you asked me if I like Goodfellas. I think that was the first thing you ever asked me. Uh, <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, it makes sense now. But uh, yeah, I think I think there was something like that. And then it was just a matter of, over time, you know, being a fan of the band, seeing you around. And I want to say this. I think the first actual time we, like, introduced by name was, of all places, in Dublin, in Ireland. Because you were playing with the Tossers. At the wow, time. really? Yeah. Yeah. And what were you doing there? I know, right? Um, I was overseas because I did my Clearly. film school in... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, as it turns out, that French uh, stuff uh, rubbed off on me, so I ended up in Paris uh, for a film program. How long were you in and, Paris? Uh, couple years. Oh, couple years. you fucking... Yeah. <laughs> you know, I the weird thing is I couldn't really... Uh, enjoy it as much because the thing that uh if you don't know paris is an extremely expensive city and if you don't have if you're just a student and doing your thing there um you know you don't, yeah you can do stuff right but you can't do the full experience of it yeah. so it's a, it can be a very isolating place at the same time yeah if you tell people at paris they're like that is the loneliest city in the world and i think there's truth to that too i mean it, both things coexist it's like the most romantic any and the big most city can be like city. that yeah yeah 
So, uh, but then I, I had a good friend that I met in Chicago who's Irish and like, she was back there and I, and I wanted to visit. I was like close by now, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had no idea that, uh, you were going to be there. Um, I just saw that like you were on a, on a, like the shows for that week. And it was like, I saw your name and I saw the tosser. So I'm like thinking, are you playing solo or something? And so, uh, but yeah, I guess you were playing with the tossers. You were playing, right. uh, That's bass, when I was playing right. bass for the tossers. Right. Yep. Yep. And then I think something happened later. I don't know if Bono showed up or something. I, oh, I think I heard some that stuff. was that night. That was, in, yeah. That, yeah, so, yeah. So that was the last date of the tossers tour. We were in Dublin and there started to be this buzz. It's like, we think Bono's going to be here. Because the Tossers had covered a song that Bono co-wrote with some other guy called Drinking in the Day. And we were playing that song. And uh, so there was this buzz that maybe Bono was going to be there. So after the show, uh, the promoter goes, hey, come on upstairs. I got, I got a present for you. And I go, oh, uh, what is it? Uh, cocaine? He goes, no, it's better than that. I go, better than cocaine? All right, well, show me where this fucking place is. And, you know, I, I didn't know if he was going to take us in a room and Bono was going to be there. I'm like, well done, lads. But uh, we walk in and there's uh, two bottles of Moe Shandon. Is that how you say that? Sounds right. Good. Yeah. Close enough. Moe Shandon in a pretty cabinet. Let me kick. Uh, so... There was the two bottles there, and then there was two, four cases of Guinness. And then there were a bunch of, you know, glasses, uh, pint glasses. And then there was a note, and uh, it was from Bono. And he, he was like, uh, he's, he called it the, the velvet shit. I'm fucking this story up. But it was the velvet <clears throat> something is what it was called. It wasn't the velvet fog, but it, you know it was something. Oh, when you mix the Guinness with the champagne, right? right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, so velvet you, something. Yeah. So he goes, snake. No, that's not velvet something. So he goes, you pour half a pint of Guinness and half a pint of champagne, and he's like, enjoy. And you know, we said black around, velvet, drinking this stuff that Bono bought us, and it was it's really cool. But the best part was that after leaving, it's called after black drinking velvet. that black velvet. Yes, if you please. Yeah. Yes. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a black velvet. What's what's wrong with me? Right. But uh, wait, did I say velvet black? Is is that what I thought it was going to be? The velvet fog, no. black velvet. Anyway, yeah. so <laughs> the best part was leaving, and there was all these people milling around, and they were all trying to get a look at Bono, and they all go, oh, "Is is Bono up there? It, it, Bono's up there, right? Bono's up there." I'm like, man, I don't know. I didn't see him. You know, he might be up there, <laughs> but I I didn't see him. And uh, yeah, it was pretty surreal. It was awesome. But so you were there that night. I was. Yeah, now I, was I remember. There. I was there for I the remember show. You were there now. I remember. Yeah, and I think I only know that part because you said that. I think like I asked you guys, are you guys are you guys having a drink here or something? Like after, and you like, knew. Oh, I think you something, knew was, something was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you were angling. You were like, can we hang out <laughs> yeah. too? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. And then the guy bad. comes. He goes, like, you, you come with me. And he looked at me, and I looked at you. And I'm like. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, I gotta take sorry. this trip myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it is. But I think that's that's my uh, that's my story, anyways. That's what I'm sticking to. That's what I remember. Well, I remember you and me talk. You and I. Me. I. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. You and I talking at uh, Burlington, and mm-hmm. we were hanging out with uh, with Tom Tom Schrader. Yes. And I remember then, like us starting to hatch ideas. 
And I, mm-hmm. I, I remember that conversation was when, I don't want to say we started collaborating, but you know, that you were definitely like, look, I want to do this. And I have this idea mm-hmm. about uh, like a Chicago collective and I want to make this happen. And you, mm-hmm. you really pushed this idea of a Chicago collective for a long time. Can you talk about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I started this production company, I got, I guess that's officially what it is called bailout pictures about just over 12 years ago now. And it came from different people that I met, say, you know, at Loyola, uh, people that I met here, Herman, who was a person that I met right when I got back from overseas. It was, I did this internship at what's now, I don't even know what that place, I think it's the comedy, not the comedy store, the Laugh Factory, you know, mm-hmm. all the way down Belmont yeah. and Broadway. It used to be called the Lakeshore Theater. And they were trying to do a production aspect there because they would have all these guests come in. You know, they have comedians like Aziz Ansari, Robin Williams, whoever, you know. So they wanted to film that stuff. And he was this dude that I met right out front the first day I showed up. And and believe it or not, you know, that became what is that sort of collaborative relationship now. Uh, And then Alex Bonner was a guy I met when I got back too. So there's all these people that, you know, actually I met him before, but we really connected and got serious when I got back. So we were trying to create this thing where, you know, it didn't totally work out that way, but we were like, Hey, it, almost like a band mentality where we'd be these four guys that made all the stuff. And then we just say it's made by this bailout, you know, and that was a hot term because of the whole bailout. financial crisis. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And we, and we were like, well, we'll, we'll bail ourselves out. This is the whole, you know, mindset that we do this thing that would kind of be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly what I told you in that conversation, but, you know, um, I, I guess that drive and the ambition, it kind of, I felt like it's something that held us accountable to keep moving forward and do bigger and better things. But uh, essentially it was that that idea, you know, and, and so in a weird way, I guess, you know, we talked about me wanting to do music or, or film, I think in my mind, it was probably some synergy uh, of those things. You know, I wanted to have this very, like it's coming from this this real place, but we're not going to do the whole, you know, I'm this guy and I'm the director and therefore this is, I'm an auteur, which is something that as a filmmaker, I kind of reject ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which I'm sure a Ben and I can fight about. I don't know if he believes that, but, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, because ultimately, right. A, a director has a, an editor or there's an executive at the studio at the time, you know, like fight club couldn't have been made if that executive wasn't there at Fox who ultimately got fired because the film bombed initially, you know, all those kind of aspects that you realize. Sure. But, but gone you, through it for a bit, but it, yeah. it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have looked anything like that without David Fincher, you know? So the auteur idea is still there. I'll 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 argue with you and Ben about this. One. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not say I'm not going to uh, negate it completely. I just think some but people, no, go, you know, but, yeah, but, but film yeah. is as about as collaborative as you can get as far as me. It's tribal, stuff. man. Yeah, yeah. I call it. I even say it's tribal. It's like you know, I, I was also I when I grew up, you know, in Chicago in the '90s. Obviously, the Bulls were killing it, and I was a big fan at the time. So. I really got into Phil Jackson and all his sort of, uh, you know, Buddhist, uh, Zen teachings and mentalities. And uh, I think more recently, uh, during the pandemic, I would listen to all these audiobooks and walk around uh, L.A. because, you know, I, I'm splitting time now between L.A. and Chicago. And uh, something that really stuck with me is what he would say about coaching. He would say that, well, all I'm doing is setting up the circumstances for success. 
So I need to learn who the players are, how they work best, and then we have to figure out how we're going to, you know, essentially be put in the best possible position to just execute at this high level. And if you keep doing that enough, it ends up becoming this thing where it's it's ultimately just you just act and you do and you don't think about it. Yeah. You know, it's 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 just uh, and that's a very tribal. I would say it's almost tribal because when you think about you know early man, uh, early humans, you know, um, I don't know. It seems like we we all had to work as a unit. We all live in this village of up to 100 people we didn't really know the outside world and and everyone was like well that guy's pretty strong he should probably lift things and they're good at that, that thing and and you know so those skill sets are still somewhere inside of this modern man and uh when you go to a set it seems like it becomes evident <laughs> you know right. there's a moment i think somewhere in day two or three of a shoot that I've, I've, I've experienced where as a director i always step back and i just let them do what they're doing and it's awesome to watch it's a good feeling it right. feels like like this is what we're supposed to be doing in some way it feels purposeful it's like okay right like when you 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 give up the reins a little bit to somebody it's like all right that person can do this better than i can let them do it it's it's a fucking relief right oh yeah no that's and that's that's half the joy i think of of doing of making movies and and, uh, being a director you know finding good people and and finding the common uh, aim at least you know i know everyone goes into a film sometimes you do it just cook for the money i get that yeah. but you know everyone's going to gain something and as long as we have one common understanding i think it goes a long way so there's something really rewarding about that whole experience yeah it feels primal in a way well you know? how, how would you compare that to your experience playing uh in a band uh, you played bass and was it short and sweet that uh left brain heart left so brain that heart. was the the iteration after that, yeah. So yeah, you with, played uh, with with Ryan, and you yep. and you played with Justin, who was in Sullen, and, yep. and it was Phil. Was it Phil? Who who was Dave? It? Oh, it was Dave, Dave Lugo. It was Dave. So it was you, yeah. Dave Lugo. Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> just, when you put Dave Lugo into the mix of anything, I start laughing. So it was mm-hmm. you and Dave Lugo and Justin, who was. If people don't know, Justin was in this band called Sullen that I absolutely adored. And Justin is uh, as talented a songwriter as I've ever come across. So he had a band, Left Brain Heart, and and you were playing my bass parts, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think it was. Not in the same tuning. Well, I I don't know what tuning it was in. But, uh, But that was, Ryan was playing in the band as well. Yep. So you guys are doing mm-hmm. that. How was that compared to making movies? You know, that's a stupid question. Just tell me what it was like playing in that <laughs> tag group of people. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, music is, is, is similarly this amazing passion. I think how music differs for me. I mean, you know, I can't really speak to it in that case because I did join a band that I was not the leader of, right? It was a band that I agreed to play with and join. And to me, you know, when, when you play music, it, I, I don't know how to explain this, but I always feel like you get caught up in some transcendental storm or wave and you just flow with it. And there's something that's really beautiful about that too. I, I don't know if it's the same feeling, right? Like if we are going to mm-hmm. do the, the comparison to film, because when I think about film, you know, I think we touched upon this earlier, but it's this very interdisciplinary art form. So you're saying like, I have photography, I have music, I have, you know, like radio, essentially like speech, you know, all these aspects, theater, and I'm putting them into one. So I'm understanding that 
I hate to use this term, but it's not really as pure. Like, say, we're doing music. That seems like it's a very pure yeah, I get what you're form. Yeah. Like, it's not diluted. And so film is, and you kind of, like, know how to, like, focus in on one part. Like, oh, we got to, the music has to kick in here because it's really important. Or we have to listen to what they're saying here. Or, like, the face reaction is really important here. So it's just a different set of focus. I felt like when I was in the band, just, you know, I was part of the rhythm section. I was there to kind of be a part of this storm. I don't I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. But that that's kind of what it felt like. We were this loud, melodic band that just had this very... Uh, yeah, I mean, and just with music in general, no, you know, it just feels like you're part of this. Yeah. He was trying to make the, the record physical, like he was trying to like bring to life that record, you know. And you guys were there mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, yeah, in, a, yeah. in a way, you were there to do a, a job. Right, right, um, and yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 gratifying in a completely different way, you know. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, in a way, like how music relates to to film or how to be asked about it i feel like to me in music i always kind of felt like i was just a I, this is going to sound really dumb too but just a player in the larger scheme a cog you know? a cog i hate to use the word cog yeah. that's not correct that sounds very mechanical and wrong because music i think is very well, flowy and like the question you know, is but, hack in the first place you know you know yeah what music versus film how, you know how does it compare it's hack so fuck it. Yep. So let's use words like cog. <laughs> well, let me yeah, try right to, on, right let on. me try to reframe it a tiny bit because I've okay. made movies. Thank you, Ben. I've made movies two different ways. One where I'm like doing everything. So I'm the director, but I'm also the cameraman and sound, and it's just me mm-hmm. and the actors or whatever, or me doing a documentary on the street with, you know, people I don't know, and I'm just doing everything. And and right. and then I've also done. Uh, the, some of my more recent stuff is about an actual crew and I find that experience a whole other weird thing which Felix was kind of describing like there, the last time I made a film I was the director but I had, we, I had a cameraman I had a sound person I had people doing props and all that stuff and on the set I was like what am I even doing like they don't need me like I I got this team assembled and now there really is nothing for me to do and I literally just sort of sat on a chair and let people just do their stuff and I was like that's how you know you did a good job exactly yeah but that's true and so Scott if I can try to like say your version of being in a band at least what you do most of the time for the last 30 years is like a one man army like you can't you can't stop. You can't sit down in your chair and let local H be local H with you just sort of watching. Um, you're you're a one man. I mean, yes, you have Ryan, but I'm saying you are basically like sort of a guerrilla filmmaker in guerrilla filmmaker mode in in the music world. And and I think maybe a more accurate analogy for film is 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 more like um a conductor, like a director, sometimes like a conductor, where totally. you're sort of waving the baton and keeping everybody theoretically but if you stop doing that chances are it would still sound pretty fucking good no thank you for calling me the cassavetes of rock and roll yeah. but <laughs> you are yeah no i, I think conductor I, I just wanted to say real quick yeah conductor is exactly the term i've been using like the last year every time i try to explain directing to people it's, it's conducting it really is that's a very very good uh, term to use yeah well he, here's an important tip uh, before you go out and direct, take your pants off and lounge around. That way you keep the crease in your pants. And then when you get out of there, that's just a, that's just a tip I learned from Leonard Bernstein. Yeah. 
Oh, gotcha. I thought so, that was Brett Ratner. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner so, is the Leonard Bernstein of... Uh, uh, true. Of he is the maestro of Rush Hours. Yeah. Tell us the about Innocence the video. idea of coming up for the Innocence video. When did you come so, up with the idea for that? Man. How did you come uh, up with the idea know, for that? How did I come up with that? Well, first things first, it's really funny. I think uh, I was living with this song longer than you might think because Ryan had sent it to me. I think a few months before you did, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, and so, you know, here's the thing. I go for very, very, very long walks. You know, I'm like this, uh, as long as the weather's good, I'll go for like an hour plus walk every day. You know, that's uh, how I decompress. That's how I think. That's how I meditate. So I would just play this song, Innocence, on repeat. And I just go for these walks, you know, just walk around town, Chicago. and um, And so... You know, it started to come to life there, right? I mean, the video is this guy uh, has like a, you know, a hands-on physical labor job. So, you know, when I think about me growing up in Chicago and listening to, to your band, Local H, and all the experiences, something just, this image stirred up, you know, Liars Club, all these kind of, like the kind of person that would you know, that, that emits that, that ethos, I use that term. Right. And so that it was kind of that beginning. And then, uh, you know, it's one of these kind of situations where when we were getting certain locations in place, it became, it became more, it became sharper and closer to, it came into vision as a term was, I'm trying to say here. Uh, but you know, there's this whole element of that I've experienced. I mean, there's a lot of like, coded personal stuff in there not that we have to get too much into that i don't like to give away too many things about you know the the writing or the craft or the art but right. if you were going to talk about just the genesis of it right um you know hey like sometimes i will go you know in, in the past i've done this where you go out you kind of just go out by yourself you don't know what's going to happen and you end up having this amazing time right. and you you learn something from that you learn like hey i let my defenses down right. for a moment exactly and actually like I am, there's this other part of me that I'm usually holding back because I'm afraid that people are going to say something about it or like make fun of me. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think I told, I, I actually remember saying this to, to Mike Shannon on set and I kind of blushed because it seemed like such a pretentious thing to say. But I said, well, you know, you know, Siddhartha, right? Where he goes through his whole cycle of like, <laughs> but, it, but it really was that. Like right. I had listened to Siddhartha, the audiobook on a walk. And I remember thinking like, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Like you experience these two elements, extremes of life, and you kind of find your synergy in the middle somewhere. And and I think the whole concept of it was like, by the end, he kind of does, right? Whatever that is to him. And we don't know that because obviously it's shown by, you know, the acting and, and whatever it is and whatever you want to obviously project upon it. But that's essentially what that was. Yeah. Right. But when we talked about making the video... We, we went yeah. to Swig, and you, yeah. your old thing was like, you said, all right, come on, let's go, go have a couple of drinks. Let's talk about how to make this video. And I was like, all right, great. And uh, sat down, and you go, and he looked at me, you go, we need a name. And I go, a name? What are you talking about? So, well, we need somebody who's famous. And I go, <laughs> all right, uh, shoot, who? You know, Kim Kardashian? What, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, well, you know Michael Shannon. And I go, we're not going to do this. This is not going to happen, dude. And, and he goes, come on, just ask him. You know he likes your band. Just fucking do it. I'm like, 
I can't do this. This isn't who I am. And you're like, just do it. Hold on, hold on. T- time out though. Okay. Like the backstory though. Right. Is that, do you want me to go into that? Uh, like how, yeah, how insane that please. backstory is? Yeah. All right. Backstory. Like I'll try to do this quick. Cause this story is just, in my mind is crazy. Maybe people are like, yeah, it's not that crazy. So this is the top 2016. I'm visiting a friend in LA and uh, one night he goes to me, Hey, you got anything dressy to wear? It's January, right? It's the beginning of 2016. I'm like, no, I just came to hang out with you. I don't, I don't know. He's like, well, all right. He goes in his closet, gives me like a blazer, gives me his shoes. We go to the Chateau Marmont. Trump if you don't had know just the Chateau, got into office. I mean, it was a great time. <laughs> yeah, great time. <laughs> great time. So, so we go to like this known, uh, you know, fancy pants spot, but it's also known as a as location. It's off Sunset. It's the Chateau Marmont that you're allowed to let your defenses down. It's kind of one of those bars that has like glitz and glamour, but People know in there, you can say whatever you want, yeah. that kind of thing. It doesn't leave the place. So he's, <laughs> I don't know where we're going to. And we, we show up like in an Uber or no, I actually drove, I believe it or not. But there's this line spiraling like up this hill down sunset. And I'm like, what are we doing here? You know, I have no idea what this is. He's like, this is a Paramount Pictures party. And I know the guy who owns it, who runs the, the security. And I was like, what? You know, so we cut the line. Yeah. He's like texting this guy. And he just lets us in. And it was like, it's like completely ridiculous, you know, like this whole movie, like, like entourage kind of shit that happened, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and not, and I'm not going to get into all the name droppy stuff, but I will say I've never been to a party where you open the door and the first person you see is Christian Slater. You're like, okay, well that's where I'm at. Okay. You know, anyways, this party fizzles out, blah, blah, blah. You know, they have to reset the room. They're like, there's a sidebar. We hang out, meet some randos. I, I felt like I was in Pulp Fiction at that point. There's like some tall, like Australian guy that's on Molly, who's like, I don't know how old he is. There's some guy, awesome. used car salesman from from Florida, who's really like red skinned and like obviously very aggressive and kind of conservative, but we're like kind of bashing heads and like, you know, passive aggressive attacks at each other. Really kind of interesting. Awesome. Uh, and then there's this woman, this younger woman who my friend is kind of hitting on, but I realized used car salesman is also doing that. So there's this whole banter going on. And eventually this whole party of people, we like, you know, the four or five people we're with now, we're like, let's go back to the bar we were in. You know, they like reset the room. So we sit down. It's like midnight at this point. We, you know, it's loungy. Some guy's playing piano. He's playing like 90s hits. I think at some point he played like Smells Like Teen Spirit on piano. It was kind of amazing to hear him play it. But uh, in any case... Yeah, exactly. So this is what happens. Actually, um, I think your next guest is Bela because I brought him up twice. But <laughs> but but Bela, he sent me a message. Uh, you know, I think it was like Facebook Messenger or text or anything. He's like, hey, uh, I can't believe you missed the Local Eight show. Uh, I think there was a New Year's Eve show. He's like, because Michael Shannon showed up. He was at the show. I don't know if you remember that. Like it was, what, yep. 2015 and a Cubby, Cubby Bear, 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 I think yeah. it was. Right. So kid you not. I got this message and I was like, oh, wow. And then I looked up. He was in the corner of the room. Like, he wasn't a second ago. But as soon as I looked at the message and I looked up, he like, appeared. he's sitting in the corner of the room. Yeah, he, like, appeared. Right. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. So my, I had this whole, like, my brain uh, was wigging out. And that the used car salesman guy, uh, whose name I don't remember, he's like, what's going on? It's because I was kind of, like, you know, frozen for him. And he's like, I explained quickly what happened. And he's like, why don't we just go over there? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, let's just go over there. And like, you know, after drinking for five hours, you're like, okay, sure, why not? Right. This seems like a great idea. So he's there with like four or five other folks who are all on their phones. He's just kind of lounging there. 
it's like the end of the night, you know, and uh, and he sees me coming towards, and I said, hey, uh, I think my friend, you were hanging out with my friends from Chicago the other night. He's like, oh, you know Scott? And that's how I knew from that moment onward. I was like, we're going to get this guy in a local HBO <laughs> at some point. Because <laughs> right. uh, I could just tell he was a fan. We had, like, I don't know, anywhere between five to seven-minute conversation to the point where I, I felt a little awkward. I'm like, I'm standing, you're sitting, let's just, I'm going to go back over there. Right. But uh, I that. ended up bumping it. Yeah. Yes. I ended up running into him to sh- in Chicago later on. Uh, and I worked on a film that I cut that he was, like, an executive producer on. Some period. So it was, like, this interesting thing you where, like, what that was? his name... The film, yeah, it was this film called Signature Move that went to by Jennifer Reeder, the director oh, Jennifer Reeder, right uh, who, uh, yeah, who she. Um, so we went to South by Southwest that year, yeah. uh, twenty seventeen, and when we got back, we went to a television festival. It was like three days after South by. We go to the Old Town Alehouse, like with the producers and stuff. And who walks in? Mike. It's Michael Shannon, and I literally asked my producers, "Is that <laughs> Michael Shannon?" They're like, "Yeah, that's Michael." <laughs> so. I walked up to Matt, you know, like after finishing my drink and he, he was like, oh yeah, I remember. And we chatted and that's how we got to like know each other a little bit. Um, there's always drinks involved though. So I'm not sure how much, you know, recollection was going on. So perfect. But yeah, so it was kind of fun. And then like towards the end of the night, I saw him walking out. I said, goodbye. He remembered my name. I'm like, cool. That's a good sign. Uh, and then I forget what else there was. There might've been one other thing, but you know, when we, we this is all leading up to that this moment. Is all I said, well, and this is yeah. like 20 minutes ago when you said you didn't want to, you know, take too long to tell the story. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I get it. I, I get remember it. this. Yeah. Uh, yes. But, but so Continue. From, from that point, you were like, I'm going to put this guy in a local age video. That was, that was. I think it had to happen. Right. I think it was like, uh, I think I listened to that episode where he was on and he used the word kismet. And I like that word. I'm going to say that right. too. Kismet. So we're sitting there and, and you're like, you've, you've got to ask him to be in this video. I'm like, I can't. And then we had a shot and I was like, okay, fuck it. So I texted him. (laughs) So I texted Mike and I was like, hey, you want to be in this video? And he just, and I I didn't think he'd respond. I was like, that's it. I'm just going to do this to shut Felix up. And then we, you know, started drinking our beer and then boop, phone goes off because that's what it sounds like. And uh, mm-hmm. and then I pick it up, and he goes, "Why not?" And that was it. We were off to the races. You know, it was, "Why not?" Yeah. And, and that's the kind of guy that Mike is. It's just like it's like, "Why not?" I don't give a fuck. Like, he's got to have managers and people telling him, like, "This is not a good idea. Don't do this with your dirtbag friends. Don't, <laughs> you know, like." why go back and do this play that only 20 people are going to see? And he's like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And I love him to death for that. And, but I love you to death for making me do that because I never would have done it if you hadn't. Hey man, like I think, you know, it's, uh, you see, I, I think, uh, I will say this, like, I appreciate that. I, I will say that, I think if we're talking about what a director does, right? I think a director is also a forces that people to do things. Can... Brett Ratner. <laughs> yes, exactly. Brett Ratner. exactly. Yeah. No, not like that. Yeah. Not like that. Uh, well, some do, but not me. Uh, but but anyways, like this thing of like seeing connections, right? You're seeing yeah. connections. Like, right. It's an important aspect. Like you know, a director. You know, when you see a film that's cast with all these like 
why is this person in this movie? Right. You know, like, why did they think, like, when they put musicians in movies, for example, sometimes, you're like, why is that person in there? But, you know, the director probably... Man. Musicians are cool. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so this thing of, you know, you see something there. And it's like, as like there's there's something there. There seems like there's something that, when, it, when as soon as I, I brought up, or he saw the connection between, you, you know, local age and, I, I just saw his eyes spark up like I, you know it's like this is a dude that I think a lot of people don't approach because he is an intimidating figure right he's got a brow he's a big guy <laughs> and uh, I noticed that the defenses went down a bit so I, I caught that and I yeah. said well this seems like there's well he didn't expect here. you to talk to him about that you know like he's yeah. stealing himself for when people talk to him about General Zod and when yeah. somebody yeah. goes yeah. somewhere else he's like Oh, okay, I can I can handle you for five minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at Old Town we talked about Groundhog Day and. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've done that to to disarm him. As well. <laughs> yeah. So what was yeah. it like directing him? Because you know. We, we... Yeah. Um, well, hang on. He's Felix. He's, can sure. you give us your take on what was going through your head when Scott went to pick up Mike Shannon and went to the totally wrong address? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think uh, he may not admit it. Maybe. Well, I don't know. Maybe he was nervous. I don't know. Scott, were you nervous? I don't know. Was um, I nervous? Do you think we were going we were gonna to screw it up for you? Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. What, what oh, when you were going to pick up. Uh, we, well, Ben's trying to bring up the day one you were supposed to pick up. Is that what you're talking uh, Mike, about, Ben? Are you talking about when I picked yes. up the phone? No, no, I'm talking about when you, because you've told this story on the oh, podcast, yeah. and I want to get Felix's version oh, well, of that. Felix was, well, I went to go pick up Michael and uh, he gave me the address and I and I looked it up and, you know, I forgot that Mike lived around the corner from Old Town. I guess I shouldn't say this, but... but <laughs> you, so, can, you can, you can yeah, we, bleep that out. Yeah, yeah we we'll bleeped it out the first time, too. He gave me the address and I thought it was in the suburbs, so I drove out to the suburbs and... I never account for traffic when when driving outside the city or even inside the city. Today, I didn't account for traffic. I was late, you know. Uh, but so went in the suburbs, and I'm like, I'm going to be late. And he's texting me like, where are you? Where are you? And I get out here, and I realize Michael's doesn't. Michael's not here. Mike doesn't live out here. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, where are you? He goes, I'm going back inside. And I go, oh, my God, I, I fucked up. I fucked up. And my only thought was Felix and Herman and, and the entire team, like, I felt like I'd fucked them. And then I think I called you, and I was like, I fucked up. And then you're like, cool. That's, those are the exact, the exact words. I remember that. Uh, you said that at least two or three times. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know. Uh, ben, to answer your question, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it just seemed like we figured out a solution right quick. And, you know, I think uh, directing that aspect is really, you, you, you learn to understand that Murphy's Law is always in effect, right? That the worst thing can always happen. So I think sometimes when I noticed this, this happened to me at one point when I was working uh, inside an organization and a production team, we'd always be like doing damage control. You know, we, we would say, well, this could happen, this could happen. And they just thought we were really negative. They thought we were like the worst people. No, you don't understand. We have one shot. 
okay? We have one shot. You have to think about all the variables. You have to think about all the possible things that can go wrong. So, you know, I get, I went, all right, well, let's send someone there, right? You know, let's, let's figure this out. Like, that's what all you can do in that moment. So, I, you know, I, I think for what, for, for whatever reason, I think just because I've done it enough, I don't get so emotional in the moment. I think maybe later I'll think about something. Oh, yeah. I do. But I, I, I get so yeah, cause, emotional. Cause, I can't, I can't <laughs> stop it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was just, it, it's this thing of, uh, you know, you, you have to do a job right now. You know, if I went to a job where I was serving tables as I've done in the past, you, you know, you're going to have customers that are not the, the best, are having a bad day. You just got to figure out how to turn that off and yeah. go. Like, what's the goal? Yeah. What am I trying to accomplish? He what am I trying to do? pretty and, quickly and got somebody to go pick yeah. them up. So, yeah. so then he yeah. came, and then he, and then I'm not there. So, like, I can't be the buffer, you know, like, hey, yeah. you know. So you have to direct Mike on your own. You're the guy. You got to yeah. step up. What was that like? So uh, I knew right away he seemed a little standoffish, but uh, I, I've spoken to him a few times, you know, in the past. And I, I know he's uh, – I, I, I think – I mean, I don't know if he would consider himself. I feel that he is an introvert, right? And I'm an introvert too as a person. You know, right. he was kind of chill. He, he said his name. He said like – I'm like, yeah, I know. We've met. And he's like – I think it took him a minute for that to, to resonate. I know he's on a million he's sets and that stuff happens. still pissed off at me. So, you know, you had to deal yeah, with that. Yeah. Um, it, it was, uh, yeah, so he came in and he, uh, it was fun. My, my favorite moment was we walked through the set, you know, we were in this, this motorcycle garage. We, we almost shot also, I don't know if you talked about this, but it was an interesting shoot too, because we shot it almost from beginning to end. It's really rare that you shoot things in sequence, but this video, almost everything was shot in sequence. Uh, and so we walked through and I, I remember the crew was kind of running through like the first shot that we were going to do, which is the opening shot of the video. And I, I remember saying to him, uh, do you want to meet the crew? And he just like pivoted to makeup, and I, <laughs> so I just thought, all right, well, that's what we're gonna we're gonna do. <laughs> so uh, he got out of there, he got in wardrobe, and then I tried to. He stepped out, and I tried to explain what we were gonna do. He just kind of crossed his arms and looked around the room. He was assessing, but I, but you know, I, I started to get a sense of like maybe this is what he does as an actor. He looks at the room, he picks up on the energy, he reacts to that. I mean, good actors do that, and I think he eventually started to really do that by day two, but. But, right. yeah. but no, yeah, it was totally my fault. He was probably pissed and ruffled about the fact that I wasn't there to pick him up when I said I was. And uh, he was probably, you know, not taking it out on you, but just kind of like, what kind of fucking production is this? What did I sign up for? <laughs> what was interesting, though, was when we did our first shot, we did, we ran through it. And Mike's a really interesting actor because it changed my perception of how I want to work with actors because when we did one take, he's like, can I see it? I was like, what do you mean? Like, uh, you know, you know, all the stories of like the A-listers that you never want to see themselves. Like, like, like Adam Driver would have been home by now. He right. would have just left the set, you know? Yeah. And, and I think when he saw it, actually someone, there's a, there's an actual photo. Cause we had like a behind the scenes guy shooting, you know, stuff that I usually bring around on our sets. And, uh, I think the moment is captured. I think he really like, his, you know, his mouth, open like he, he kind of i don't know if his jaw dropped but it was like i don't think he expected that to be what we were doing right you know and i think his attitude changed like i could just see it i could feel it i remember saying something about oh we're going to switch the background because it said like retarded or something somewhere in the back and mm. he's like you think the fans are really going to care and it's like well i don't know just because people whatever yeah. and you know like that and then I, I started to sense that you know 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, he he, work he out. wanted to see it not because of his performance. He wanted to know what you were doing. Yeah. Correct. And yeah. once he saw what it, you were doing, he was like, "Okay, I can trust this guy." Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think by day two, it just manifested into a lot of surprises. You know, like I, I think uh, all that stuff that you know, jumping on the table, hanging upside down. That's all Shannon. That's like. I, I'm telling you, we were playing dance music. He just felt the room, and I, I can see like he'll sit there, take it in, and just boom! Like it's it's awesome to watch. You well, know, it's, you, I, I learned a lot. Right, your whole idea with the video was that you had seen him do Iggy Pop at the Metro or something like uh, that. The, the initial concept, yeah, no, it, yeah, it was it was that, yeah. yeah like and there was this whole thing. He was on Fallon, uh, right, you, uh, talking about it. I think seen yeah. him dancing, and and you you felt like people got Michael Shannon wrong, like. That he was mm-hmm. this, you know, sullen, angry guy. You're like, no, he just wants to dance, and that's really <laughs> he just of wants the video. to dance, yeah, right? K- kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I, to some point, I think something that uh, I heard Edward Norton say on, on a podcast once was was really funny about actors that are overly serious about their craft is like everyone just wants to play dress up. Like we're all grown he- people playing dress up. So why is everyone so? Just like ridiculously serious about this. I mean, obviously you're trying to tell stories, you're trying to evoke some kind of feeling message, but at the end of the day, like let's have some damn fun, you know? Like we are, you know. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, you're right. You're goddamn right. Next question. So let's have some, <laughs> let's have some fun. No, I, I agree. I, th- I think that's what it was, and and you know, by the end of that, it was it was awesome. I mean, I don't know. I, it it, tra- it was a transcendent experience, which is rare. I don't say that's rare, but you know, like to that when I when we talked about earlier as a director, when you step back and you let things happen, that that in itself is sort of a like a transcendent thing, or it feels like it connects you to something primal. But I mean, this was another level. You get to experience like okay, someone who's really at the top of their craft doing things that when, when, when I've heard the term that, you know, you always want actors to surprise you a little bit, but this was right. just beyond, you know, I've had, I had, I've never felt that, uh, almost what I would call like a out of body experience because it really did feel like that. It was like, Whoa, I had this whole thing in your mind, you know, you're going to go for a take. You kind of, you're watching it like, like a movie, like that's playing in your house, but, or at the theater, but just to have this, I didn't even expect that. So yeah. completely, Blew me away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that stuff upstairs in uh, Gary's apartment, Liars Club. It was like he really cut loose, and it was uh, it was really mm-hmm. cool. It was really cool. Yes, sir. So let's do that again. <laughs> I'll do it. I, I, yeah, not with him. Why not? But you know, well, okay. he might show up. We'll see what you happens. Know you're about to shoot another thing in sequence, so it's not. That's so what I'm weird. saying. Let's do it again. Let's get an out of body experience. Hey, man. Uh, hey, see, so so Ben, we had some practice. There you go. Yeah, we got to find a part for Ben. Is he gonna be? You're gonna be there. Ben's gonna be there. He wants to be in the movie. <laughs> right on. Yeah, we can work that out. Ooh, oh, I. Ooh, mm, all right, I, I, I <laughs> think I just had an idea. Uh, it might entail you acting with Gabe, but it's written as a as a. A lady, so you might have to dress up. <laughs> Can you do that? Wait a minute, he's got I some was, experience uh, with that, doesn't he? Have I told you the story about being Miss Hidden Valley? Uh, yes, you have. <laughs> Wait, what? And that's what I refer to you all the time as Miss Hidden Valley. <laughs> In fact, that, yeah. when what? I put you on the guest list, it's going to be as Miss Hidden Valley plus one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.